0: When we can kind of connect the why behind our food choices and the emotions around before, during, and after we eat over time as we kind of overcome some hurdles and start to be more connected with those decisions that they just get more empowered.
1: everyone. Emily Abadi here coming to you from the AG studio. You are listening to Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where I connect with everyone from your favorite athletes to top experts and industry CEOs about their highest highs, toughest moments, and everything in between. We all go through hurdles in life. And my goal through these discussions is to empower you to better navigate yours and move with intention so that you can stride toward your own big potential. And of course have some fun along the way. Today, I am chatting with registered dietitian, Stevie Lynn Smith, about the why behind what we eat. And by that, I mean emotional eating. Why do we do it? How can we be more cognizant of it? When can it be a good thing? And yes, that's possible. And other ways to add some mindfulness into what we put in our bodies on the regular. As I mentioned in today's episode, Stevie and I were first connected through my sponsor at Inside Tracker and she made a special guest appearance on the episode that I recorded live with Shalane Flanagan around the time of last year's New York City Marathon. I'm so excited to have her back on the show and really loved the tips that she offers up in today's episode. Make sure you are following along with Hurdle over on social media. It's at Hurdle Podcast. I am over at Emily Abadi. And if you are listening to this on Wednesday, March 30th, (laughs) and you happen to live in Los Angeles, I'm coming to LA, I'm hosting a hurdler huddle this Saturday at 2 p.m. And I would love for you to be there. All of the details, you can find them in the link to the Eventbrite within the show notes. Also in the show notes, you'll see a link to subscribe to the Weekly Hurdle newsletter and a link to leave me a voicemail. I am hunting, as always, listener questions. I would love to feature you and your voice on an upcoming episode of Hurdle. So please click on over there, leave me a voice message. Let me know how I can help you. And with that, let's get to hurdling. Today I am sitting down with Stevie Lynn Smith. She's a registered dietitian. How are you doing today?
0: I'm doing well. How are
1: you? I'm so good. I'm excited to be sitting down with you. This is technically, I mean, not technically, it is your second appearance on the podcast.
0: I know. Right. I'm, I'm quite honored. I mean, I don't know how I can top my first appearance on the podcast, but I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a try.
1: Uh, for those of you who may not recognize her angelic voice, Stevie was first on the show during the chat that I had with Shalane. Stevie does work with Inside Tracker, one of the sponsors for Hurdle, and she is now also my friend. And I'm having her back on the show this week because we are going to talk all about. The why behind we eat what we eat. Obviously, so many feelings connected with what we reach for when we are in our pantries or what we order when we are out. And I thought it was about time that we dived into that a little bit here on the show. Don't you? I think so.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's an important, I mean, it's an important piece of nutrition and overall health and well being. Mental health is. You know, so much more in the forefront as of as of late for people. And food is definitely connected. It can be a little bit of a tough topic for people, but I find that a lot of my clients and a lot of people I work with, when we can kind of connect the why behind our food choices and the emotions around before, during, and after we eat, over time, as we kind of overcome some hurdles and start to be more connected with those decisions that. They just get more empowered with their nutrition, their food choices, etc.
1: Right, right. So before we start talking about this particular topic, why don't you give us a little bit of insight into how you got into this field? Were you always really interested in what you personally were putting in your body or give us the lowdown?
0: Yeah. So it was kind of a long journey to become a dietitian. Honestly, no. I mean, (laughs) I was never hyper-focused on what I was eating. I don't have a history of an eating disorder. I felt like I was like a pretty regular, well-balanced kid growing up all the way through high school, through college. I have always been an athlete. So when I started racing um, long course triathlons, Ironman distance, and marathons, was about the same time that um, I was finishing up my degree to be a registered dietitian. Um, So that kind of put me on the path of more of the sports nutrition, fueling our bodies, and the exercise piece. But I always knew I wanted to help people in some way, and I always liked being active, um, whether it was sports or just doing things outside, being outside. And kind of when I took a public health minor with my first degree, which was supposed to be physical education, I took a basic nutrition class and it just kind of was like, wait a minute, this stuff really clicks. I'm super interested to learn more about metabolism, how our bodies work, how our what we eat impacts so much. And then how can I help people? with this area. Um, And it just kind of became a little bit of a long path to become a dietitian after some switching majors. But it's been great ever since. I mean, it's, I've come into contact with so many amazing people. um, And I've got to help a lot of different people in different ways. And it's just been awesome.
1: That's so great to hear. And, you know, it's so interesting, right? Because exactly like you said, food can be a really big trigger for people, especially as an athlete, regardless of your relationship with food. I think almost everyone feels as though at one point or another, it's like, oh, if I don't get in this workout or if I don't do this for a number of days, then maybe I shouldn't be eating X or Y. You have that moment where you kind of question yourself And not even again, because you're like, oh, I need to earn this food, but just because you know how you feel in your body when you're used to doing one thing and you do another.
0: Yeah. I feel like a good number of people have good intentions when they start on a fitness and health and changing, you know, their eating habits. But there's all this, you know, everybody's talking about, you know, screw diet culture. You know, it's coming more to the forefront, but I think there are still like those underlying thought processes that have been ingrained into our culture for so long that it does happen sometimes without even consciously thinking about it, right? It's just because it's become so normalized, um, kind of in the mainstream that, okay, like transformation picks, you know, the before and after, or, you know, you go out, you have to exercise to like, you know, air quote, save your calories for later, right? It's just kind of become a commonplace thing that unless I feel like a lot of people really focus on it or just start to practice some awareness around why they're making the choices they are that you might not even realize you're doing it.
1: Right. So how do we practice more awareness with what we're putting into our bodies?
0: When thinking about awareness, it's not so much obsessing, um, of course, but more of just taking a second and thinking, okay, how do I feel right now? Am I tired? Is my energy low? Am I making this food choice because I'm stressed out? Because I'm anxious? Because I just got out of a bad meeting? Just kind of recognizing how you're feeling when you're making that food choice. And it's not to say that eating food because you're anxious is a bad thing. And that you should stop yourself, but just starting to be like, okay, this is what I'm doing and I'm anxious, right? Step one is recognizing why we're making this choice. And then from there, it's working on, okay, is there another way I can cope with my anxiety, right? It's about having tools in the toolbox. And you said, you know, emotional eating is a term that's kind of tossed around. And eating is a, a way to cope with your emotions and it usually is said in a shameful way as if we shouldn't do it and yes just like anything everything is very nuanced right there are extremes to emotional eating where it is a negative behavior and we want to try and find other ways to cope with that anxiety or whatever emotion is causing something like a binge or a binge and restrict cycle that some people may experience but you know, sometimes I have a bad day. And I was like, you know what, I want a bowl of pasta with some butter, and sprinkly Parmesan cheese and salt, because my mom always used to make that for us. And it's comforting. And like, that's okay, sometimes, it just shouldn't be the only tool that we're using to cope with sadness, anxiety, etc, whatever feelings kind of elicit that response. Um, But there's nothing wrong with comfort food, right? Tool in the toolbox.
1: Tool and the toolbox. I like that. So Mm -hmm. when it comes to being mindful about what we're putting in your body, I love that you said, like, really ask yourself about the feelings that you're experiencing before you reach for something that you may not feel super stellar about Mm -hmm. later. I know personally, recently I tried getting back into... uh, keeping closer track of what I was consuming. And I'm just the kind of person that does feel really triggered by that. I am not going to be someone that feels comfortable keeping track of every little morsel of food that goes into my body. And while I recognize the benefits of it, and I have personally done that before. And it has served me at this point in my life, that extreme level of tracking, it doesn't serve me. So I mm-hmm. think developing that level of personal awareness where you can figure out how to, uh, you know, have that mindfulness without pushing yourself too much in one direction or another is really, yeah. really important.
0: Yeah, super important. And, you know, a tool I use um, with my nutrition clients is I do have a food and mood journal that, they log in and I pay attention to that, but it prompts them that question, mood before, during, after, right? They don't get any number of feedback. I don't work with clients with macros um, or calories or counting. I see all that on my back end as a practitioner. Um, so I can say like, all right, like, let me guide you. You know, you're falling really short on protein. Hey, this snack, let's bump up the protein a little bit here and give them action items that are tangible, right? They, you know, you can always tell somebody to eat more protein, but when I can show them like, Oh yeah, like this lunch, like maybe just add some hard boiled eggs on the salad. And that would be a great way to kind of just pump, bump your protein up. But it also teaches them like really intensive prompts them to, Oh, when I skip breakfast and only drink coffee till 2 PM, I feel really bad later in the day. (laughs) And I just like, can't control my eating in the evening. Right. Or when I fuel my workouts, wow, I feel so much better afterwards. So, you know, obviously this is a different format kind of where they have that journaling and logging, but you don't need that to necessarily start making those connections, but being able to recognize kind of like those patterns when you're like, oh, okay. Like for me, I know, like if I have steel cut oats, with fruit and peanut butter in the morning, like I'm usually more satisfied, more energized throughout the day than when I'm having like eggs, toast and vegetables. Both are great breakfast options, but you know, the steel cut oats with my swim training right now, like that works better for me. And it's it's all about finding those things that like, yeah, maybe this person on Instagram says like, this breakfast is great for her, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's gonna be what works for you. And going off of that too is, reminding ourselves that we're not robots, right? Like a lot of people want to be able to eat the same exact things every single day and be satisfied and nourished and energized, but it doesn't work like that. Some days you're just hungrier than others and others you're not, and it's totally fine.
1: It's totally fine. So aside from, you know, the idea of journaling or writing things down, how else can we bring a little bit more awareness into what we are putting into our bodies?
0: You know, some of the things that I have people work with is just trying to think about, you know, the outcome, right? What is the goal? What do they want to achieve, you know, with X, Y, and Z in their day? Thinking about, okay, I have a run later. I want to make sure I feel good on this run, right? Or I have a lot of meetings today. I want to make sure this choice is going to sustain my energy through those meetings. Just thinking about our food choices so we can show up as our best self, whether it's fitness related or work-related or home related, right? Because hanger, (laughs) we've all experienced hanger. Um, and you know, underfueling, under-eating. You don't have to be an athlete to underfuel. You don't have to be thin to be underfueled. Um, it happens. And it's just like, you know, just like disordered eating it happens in every body shape and size. Same with underfueling as well, that thinking about how we can make these choices, like I said, just show up in every aspect of your life.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I would also think that when it comes to kind of like projecting about how you want to feel later in the day, the thing that can be a little bit tough about that mm-hmm. is that the level of planning that that takes sometimes, I'm sure with a lot of your clients, that is something that they come to and they're like, I just don't feel like I have the bandwidth or the energy to like make these smart choices.
0: Yeah, and I I mean, I won't say that it doesn't require any planning and you can get it done without any planning, but it's, it's being flexible with your planning and knowing that like you can write out a meal plan and say that's how it's gonna be And if you don't execute it, knowing that it's okay, and just being flexible to be able to make another option, like a meeting is going to run long, you know, your computer is going to get stuck at the Apple store for six hours, like mine did yesterday, you know, so things are going to happen. So being able to really take a step back and be like, all right, my lentil minestrone did not happen for lunch today, but how can I get the components of a balanced meal or a balanced snack. You know, maybe lunch is turned into two snacks, sandwiched between meetings. So I really encourage people to um, don't overcomplicate it, right? Like every meal doesn't need to be pretty. It doesn't need to look perfectly plated. When I talk about meals and balancing plates and such, think about the macronutrients, right? And not to count it, but do we have color, you know, fruits, fruit or vegetable? Do we have some carb? little bit of so awesome if it's a whole grain, but not every food you carb you eat has to be a whole grain. And do we have protein, right? Are we balancing our plate to make it more satisfying? And I tell people sometimes I'll eat my lunch and then be like, it probably wasn't enough protein. So I'll go like have a little bowl of Greek yogurt just to kind of like complete the picture um, as with just a very simple way to be like, all right, I got enough protein that meal should be satisfying and getting less concerned about, you know, going back to diet culture, having these food rules that lunch has to look a certain way and breakfast has to look a certain way, but just thinking about putting the pieces together of your plate and, you know, making sure it's going to be something that it is least going to be satiating.
1: Taking a break from today's episode to give some love to my sponsors. First up, AG1 from Athletic Greens. Now, what I love most about AG1 from Athletic Greens is that it's comprehensive and convenient daily nutrition made simple. With 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food source nutrients in one convenient daily serving, it doesn't get easier than this. I shake up my AG1 every single morning, and of note, it is gluten-free. It has no eggs, no sugar added, nut-free, dairy-free. I'm looking out for you here. I shake it up with about 8 to 10 ounces of water every single morning, and by doing that, I know that I'm giving my body the goodness that it needs to perform at its best as the day goes on. The good people at AG1 from Athletic Greens have been perfecting this formula over the course of a decade now, and I love knowing that they genuinely care about the goodness of their product. Of course, I have a deal for you. Head on over to athleticgreens.com hurdle and get five free travel packs as well as a year's supply of vitamin D3K2 with your first purchase. Again, that is athleticgreens.com hurdle to get your freebies today. No code necessary. I also want to give some love to my friends at Beam. I don't know if you knew this, but March was National Sleep Month, which means that now is as good of a time as any to improve your sleep. Now, sleep is something we definitely don't talk about enough, but it's honestly one of the most important parts of wellness. It affects everything from mood to weight, to hormones, to performance, to energy, which is why taking a look at your sleep and getting it under control is the fastest way to up your wellness game. That is where Fiend's Dream Line, including their delicious bedtime hot cocoa, comes in. It contains five powerful natural ingredients, including nano-CBD, reishi, magnesium, L-theanine, and melatonin, all of which work together to improve your rest. It's third-party lab-tested, contains no THC, and is trusted by top athletes to help them get their best sleep ever. And <laughs> me too. Quality sleep is the best way to optimize your body and mind, and Dream is the perfect way to do that. Head on over to beamorganics.com. That's B-E-A-M-organics.com slash hurdle to get 35% off your first month of Beam Dream today, plus 15% off the rest of the site. Again, that is beamorganics.com slash hurdle. Use hurdle at checkout for all of the deals. back to the root of our conversation here and talking about how we feel when we eat certain things, I am at the point now where despite recognizing that meal prep takes a lot of time, what I do now is keep certain things in my home that I know can contribute to me feeling good about what I'm putting into my body. So I may not be spending two hours making chili and fish and like preparing vegetables on the weekends, but instead I am keeping like quick to grab healthy ingredients around my home, knowing that what I put in my body is going to be a product of my environment. And by doing that, I am then making better choices that also help me feel better about my day to day. And again, my body and how I feel in it. Yep, absolutely. I call
0: those like the pantry staples and the freezer staples. They're going to look different for everybody. But just having those components, that I mean, that's awesome. You know, like chickpea pasta is one of mine, you know, frozen broccoli, right? You take chickpea pasta, frozen broccoli, always have olive oil, a little salt, red pepper flakes, boom, right? Um, Boom. You got a meal right there. Um, So just having those, again, tools in the toolbox. Looking out for future you is what I... (laughs) kind of say and you know knowing that those frozen fruits and vegetables are just as good if not better than fresh sometimes because they're frozen at that peak ripeness Um, I'm always shocked at the amount of people who don't know that obviously I would rather eat like fresh strawberries uh, in my yogurt or my oatmeal but I always have frozen berries because in case I just don't have that time to get to the store you can always throw them in you know, yogurt. Same with vegetables. I'd rather have fresh, something like beautifully cooked. But at the end of the day, just having those options, like you said, um, you're a product of your environment. So having those good things around makes it easier.
1: What do you say to the person who maybe has consumed something or has been in a pattern of consuming things that do make them feel less than stellar about their body? How do they reframe the conversation going forward in a productive and helpful, positive? way. Yes, that's
0: that's great. It's and it's it's super, super challenging. Usually not something people get on the first try, but definitely something to practice. And it might look a little bit different from person to person. But I always like to think about something I've heard in a yoga class that every moment is a moment to begin again, right? You don't need to wait till Monday or the next day and just throw your hands up in the air and say, well, I eat the whatever X food. So today is just total waste. No, it's not. You can then take your next snack or meal to make choices that are going to make you feel good. Um, Obviously would not recommend skipping. Maybe that depending on what it was, that snack or next meal might be a smaller snack or meal than it would have been otherwise. But thinking about foods that are going to nourish you, not feeling like you have to eat a salad, But maybe a piece of salmon and some kale and some quinoa are going to make you feel good. So just balancing that next meal out, giving yourself some grace, um, hydrating, (laughs) always a good thing, Um, and doing something that is going to help those negative feelings and thoughts, whether it's journaling or maybe you crochet or you color or going for a walk with a friend, FaceTiming with a friend reading a book, just something that is going to kind of help address the underlying feelings around that and know that it's okay to have like a bad body image day. Your body isn't bad. It's just a bad, we all have bad days that aren't our greatest. And just know that, you know, it doesn't mean you have to starve yourself or go to the gym for hours, but just make, like I said, those nourishing choices and do something kind for yourself.
1: I love the idea of not needing to wait until Monday or tomorrow to make a healthy choice today, mm-hmm. because it is very, very easy to say, I need a fresh slate. And when I wake up in the morning, like this is my opportunity to start anew. But mm-hmm. it doesn't need to be, you know, an earth shattering choice that helps get you on the right path, right? Like right. all big wins start with small action. And so, for anyone listening to this, who is like, Oh, I just need to completely wait until next week, next week, next week, next month, Mm -hmm. whatever you don't have to. In fact, it can start with, you said the word hydration, like, okay, maybe I ate a goodness, no offense to Shake Shack, but like a Shake Shack burger for lunch. And I really wanted that Shake Shack burger for lunch. And honestly, I might not regret it that much, but I know that it could have been better, perhaps, if I reached for something with less saturated fat in it for my life. So knowing that, if I get home and then I'm like, all right, I'm going to make sure I drink three or four glasses of water in the rest of the day, more than maybe I normally would have consumed, that's a great step in the right direction. So that kindness you're reiterating here, uh, 100% cosine, it starts with the kindness and it starts with one small thing.
0: Yep, absolutely. Those small changes, small habits, small actions done consistently, they add up over time. I feel like what I do is celebrating wins, everybody. And I mean, we're all guilty of it in different aspects of our life, right? We'll hyper focus on what we did, did wrong, what we could have done better. Um, all of that kind of negative stuff, even if you're a positive person. So being able to also flip your mind and be like, okay, well, Maybe I could have had more color here, but hey, it's my 14th day without a binge for someone who might struggle with binge eating. And that's awesome. And it was a situation where maybe before they would have binged. And just being able to even take that one time, that one night, and not have a binge is amazing. And starting to be able to recognize those things, and that doesn't mean you throw your hands up in your hair and air and you just like stop doing all the small consistent actions, but Being able to take a step back and look and recognize how far you've come.
1: Yeah. And I think something else to note here is when you do feel good about putting certain things into your body, I think that it's really easy for us to focus on the negatives or focus on feeling like junk when we eat certain things. But if you take the time to take a step back and reflect on perhaps what you may deem as like a quote unquote good day of eating, Mm -hmm. then you can say to yourself like, wow, like how great do I feel when I get in all of my servings of fruits and vegetables and Mm -hmm. I am eating whole foods and I'm not just like microwaving some TV dinner that actually isn't very good for me. You know, like how good does this feel? And making note of that and savoring that experience will make you want to recreate that, you know, more often going forward.
0: Oh yeah, a hundred percent. I I love. I mean, I love when my clients, after we've been working together for a while, they might like go out to eat or have like a heavier meal. Like one of my clients last week, they're like, "Oh, I ordered hash browns out at brunch," and I love hash browns. But then I had them, and I was like, "Oh wow!" Like these don't make me feel good. <laughs> and it, you know, nothing wrong with it, but just starting to recognize, like, oh wow, like that was something I used to eat all the time, and yeah, like I might enjoy it once in a while, but I I recognize that it doesn't make me feel how I want to feel. And that's that. It's just kind of when you drop any sort of connotation around food, whether it's good, it's bad, it's healthy, unhealthy, and just kind of start to recognize that, You know, all foods can fit. People just start to feel a little bit more, I guess, free around their food trays a less stress around it. And that's an amazing thing to kind of see those transformations. And I feel really lucky too.
1: Yeah. I mean, hey, I love food too. I also think that the last thing I kind of want to touch on here when it comes to emotions is that even though you may not be a person who believes that they need to do things to earn their food, I do think there is a big association with perhaps, especially as someone for me, like I'm a big runner. So after I go on my long run, yes, you need to like, you know, refill your cup and eat to repair the muscle damage that you just did over the last two hours on your run. But I know personally, something that becomes something that doesn't make me feel good is when I then overeat after a long run, because I'm like, Oh, I did all this activity. It's great. Because without fail, every Sunday, I wake up and I'm like, wow, not only did that not balance out, but I actually did this thing that like doesn't make me feel good after I did something that was so good for my body.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's a hard kind of thing to balance and learn. And of course, everybody is different. After my long runs, I suffer from kind of that appetite suppression that can happen Mm. after long aerobic endurance.
1: I don't know what that's like, Stevie.
0: (laughs) And you know, for me, I'm like, okay, obviously I know like You know, that's where the recovery drink is great. Get rehydrate a little bit more, have my, get my recovery drink down to like repair recover. And then I start to feel a little bit more normal. And then I have my meal, but it's, you know, maybe it's recognizing like, okay, last weekend I went out for brunch after my long run and I overdid it and I didn't feel great. So maybe just going into that meal, like, yes, I need to repair, refuel but I'm going to, maybe it's slowing down at that meal. Maybe it's just taking that mindfulness, not eating as fast. Maybe it's taking half your brunch home to eat it later because you just, that volume was too much for you right afterwards. Or it's just taking a totally different approach. Maybe you don't go out to brunch. Maybe you go home and make yourself a meal that you know is going to feel good. But yeah, we've all been there. (laughs)
1: Yeah. And I feel like like personally, that's definitely like a pattern I'm trying to like figure out because it's interesting, right? Like you say, okay, like notice how you felt and then like make a choice the next time. But I feel like as every weekend comes, I'm like, I'm going to make this good choice. I'm going to make this good choice. Then I'm like, Maybe next week, you know. Ne- maybe next weekend, I'll make this good choice,
0: <laughs> right? I know, and it's it, well. That, that's the other thing, like overarching with food and working with the nutrition clients and everyone, is that unlike other things like alcohol, gambling, etc., you don't need those things to survive. Like we need food to survive, and we need food consistently. We need to hydrate. We need to refuel, repair. So some of those thoughts, habits, behaviors that. It comes with our food, have been there our whole life, whether we want them to be or not. So it's it takes a lot more kindness and grace and time and consistency to kind of break those. It's not like you touch the stove when it's hot when you're a kid, and like that's the last time you touch the stove when when it's hot. So, you know, it's just kind of being like, all right, <laughs> yeah, this is the week. Just kind of like you said, just keep showing up in that way and trying to readjust.
1: And I also do feel like before I let you go, it's important for me to reiterate here, and I'm sure you're going to co-sign this, that if you do feel like you are experiencing uh, troubling feelings surrounding what you're putting into your body or having just a really, you know, iffy relationship with food, I have certainly been there and I would advise to you to definitely seek out whether it be input from a registered dietitian or talking through some of your emotions and your feelings with a, a therapist can be both equally helpful tools to help you get to a better place so that you can more fully enjoy your day-to-day and ultimately your life.
0: Yeah, 100% percent cosine. Um, yeah, Yeah, like I said, there's, absolutely, there's nothing wrong with it. I think more people experience those feelings than anyone Everybody. really realizes. Those people who can kind of get to the other side And when you can start to enjoy your food, enjoy the social events, not stress out, I mean, it's an amazing feeling. I think it's the best feeling in the world. So if you feel like you're struggling, you know, 100% co-sign that for sure.
1: For sure. Well, thanks so much for talking to us today. I really, really appreciate it. Stevie, how do the hurdlers follow along? How do they keep up with you? Give me your details. Yeah. So you can
0: follow along. I'm on Instagram at Stevie Linlin. Um, you must love my dog. I will say that (laughs) 90% of my Instagram is my dog, but also adventures and some food spattered throughout. And if you're interested in learning more about me and my nutrition practice, you can go to stevielinrd.com.
1: Beautiful. I'm over at Emily Abadi and at Hurdle Podcast. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time.